Hello and welcome back to our devotions on the psalm. On Tuesday, I read and uh, reflected on the first part of Psalm 51. Today, I'll look at the second part. But let's read the entire Psalm 51. It's such a meaningful and beautiful psalm. Shall we pray? Father, speak this truth in this psalm to us. There's so many truths of your graciousness, of your mercy, of your love for us. Help us, Lord, to understand this and to continue to feed on the truth of who you are, the kind of God you are. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Psalm 51. For the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion, to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous, in burnt offerings offered whole. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. On Tuesday, we talked about sin, of iniquity and of transgressions and talked about how different they were. And that while often we look at transgressions, the root of all our evil is within us, that sinful nature. And God not only forgives our sins or destroys our iniquities, our wicked plans, but God longs to transform our inner being, our sinful nature altogether. And so the psalmist David prays, Cleanse me, O God. Cleanse me of all my sinful self. Because being cleansed, being, being cleansed from sin is not about just being pleasing before God or making God happy. It is the essence of life. When we are no longer filled with sin, then indeed we are full of joy. We are no longer separated from God, but God is, we sense God's presence with us all the time. So after David had prayed this, he goes on verse, from verse 13 to 19. Now let me read it again. It's beautiful. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. 
Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are my Saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Let's look at this. David is saying that when he has been forgiven, when God has begun to cleanse him, then his one dream, his one goal is to teach transgressors the ways of God. Not to be just obedient, but the ways of God as in the mercy of God. How this man who had com committed adultery, and actually he didn't just commit adultery, it was more like rape, because he was a king in superior position, and he got Bathsheba up to him and, and raped her, had sex with her, and then after that plotted the death of her husband. David had committed something very vile. And yet, as he discovered how even that foul sin of his could be forgiven, he says, I know your ways, now I understand what you are like, God. In your mercy and grace, you would forgive a sinner even like me. This, that's the, those are what he refers to as the ways of God. Not just the righteous ways of God, but the merciful ways of God. That God will not even hold his grudge, his anger against man who had done something so vile. What David then longed to do was allow, help other sinners to turn back to God. A plea, as Paul says, pleading with you be reconciled with God. Many people need to know this message, that God is a kind, forgiving, merciful God. He does not hold people guilty all the time. He longs to be reconciled with people. And so David had this longing, and I wonder what about us? Do we have that longing too to bring people back? Not just like a fishing trip, oh I won 10 souls today, but more a passion that people may know that God wants to be reconciled with them. A friend of mine, a very godly woman, had a daughter who had gone wayward, and for many, many years she had left the home, she had lived a reprobate life. In so doing, she had also tattooed herself, the entire body, with tattoos. But this old lady longed for her child to come back to God. The tragedy was that when she tried to get her daughter back to church, church people looked at her, judgmentally looked at her curiously, wondered about her tattoos and made her feel so uncomfortable. She never wanted to go back to church again. Another friend of mine, um, he, became, he came to know how much God loved him and wanted so much for his girlfriend to come to church as well. But he was deterred, or she was deterred, because she had nose rings and she had rings on parts of her body, a lip ring, tongue ring. And she said, People looking at her will look at her as a cheap person, as a person unworthy of God. They would judge her. How I wish everyone in our church would just have that longing for people to come back to God. There are many in our church who long for their husbands, their wives, their children, their parents to find God and know His ways. A God who is gracious and merciful. A God who will not judge regardless of our sin and what we have done and, we, and they long to bring their children back. What about us as a corporate body, as a church? Do we also long for them as much as the loved ones long for them? Do we also welcome each person who comes? 
regardless of what they look like, what their what their past looks like, regardless of how tattooed their bodies are or what shape they look like, would we also long for them to come to know the ways of God, that God is a merciful God. The psalmist continues in verse 14, Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, you who are God my Saviour, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. The psalmist David knew that only when he was delivered from his guilt could real joy come to him. Many Christians continue to carry a very heavy burden of guilt in their hearts, in their minds. And though they believe that God has generally forgiven their sins, they don't believe that God loves them passionately, that God loves us lavishly, like a doting father who's just glad to see us every morning. That God is gladder to see us in the morning than we are of Him. And often it's because we think that we are unworthy because of our sin. A friend of mine who had been serving in church for many years and um, one day became pregnant. But she was wrecked of fear because 20 years earlier she had aborted a child. She felt that she had murdered someone given by God. And for those 20 years, her guilt just weighed upon her. So much so that when she finally conceived, she thought that God would punish her for taking that life and God would do a life for a life if she has killed one of God's creation, God's child, and God would smite her and kill her unborn child. And she was scared. It's hard to imagine how much guilt we carry and how hard it is to imagine a God who loves us so passionately, the greatest lover of all. But until we know that our sins have been forgiven fully, we cannot have our lips shout for joy and rejoice and think every day what a wonderful day it is because God, my beloved God, beloved Father is with me and loves me passionately and lavishly. I've seen that often this sense of having been forgiven but still being seen as a second-class Christian. Often as I um, ministered in death row was often that way. There was one man who knew that he had been forgiven. He was glad. And yet when I said, you know, there is so much that you can do, that God can do through you where you are, he said, but I am like a worm. God may have forgiven me. That means I'm not going to hell. But I am but a worm. The things that I've done, he had murdered his girlfriend. And it took a revelation from God. I explained to him that that wasn't the way God is, but nothing could enter. And then I prayed, and God broke into his life. And God showed him that he was not a worm, but a beloved child of his, warmly, lovingly embraced by his father. For the rest of his time in, in death row, he became such a changed man that he was like the best evangelist I'd ever seen. I think in one year he had reached more people than I'd reached in my lifetime. He reached out to guards, he reached out to fellow prisoners, he reached out to family members, he wrote letters. So much because he was filled with the joy, his lips were filled with thanksgiving when he knew that he was fully forgiven. Not just that he would not go to hell, 
but that he, every blot of his was thrown away. You see, God tells us that as far as the east is from the west, I have thrown, I have cast out your transgressions from me. God blots away our sin, doesn't look at us as, hey, you still got a stain. I know that you are now forgiven grudgingly, but you still have a stain on you. God doesn't look at us that way. We are a pure slate. In God's eyes, we are beautiful. In God's eyes, we are his beloved. And therefore, David could say, Lord, when you forgive me, when you when you t deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, then my tongue will sin, sing for your righteousness, of your righteousness. But you know, sometimes when we are so filled with guilt, we find one solution and we offer offerings to God as though it were a quid pro quo. You know, we exchange a barter trade. Verse 16, David says, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. Mistake that many of us make is that we can imagine that God will forgive us if we do nice things for Him. Sometimes it's in the form of giving a lot, giving generously to the church, giving generously to a project. Sometimes it comes in form of service, that we want to serve God and we are frenetic in our service. And God does not take delight in our sacrifices. You know, it's often a sad truth that we serve out of a sense of guilt. And we can see that from the way we serve, not joyfully, not givingly, but often angrily, frenetically, anxiously. As though if our gifts, if our service didn't work so well, God would be displeased with us again. But that's not the way God forgives us. God doesn't delight or forgive us because of our service, because of our sacrifice. The one thing that God wants is that brokenness, that hopelessness, the helplessness that says, God, I deserve nothing. And he says in verse 17, my sacrifice to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart you, God, will not despise. What God wants is a sense of nothingness, a sense that we cannot contribute to God's kingdom, that there's nothing that we can do that will make God, that will pay recompense for our sinfulness. And so David knows that he can't pay a compensation to God. All he has is a broken spirit. All he has is the sense, God, mercy, into your hands I commit my life. I deserve nothing. It is from that heart that God then comes to us and embraces us. You know, we often see that truth in our daily lives as well. Imagine if your son or your daughter has hurt you very deeply. Sure, there can be peace offerings, but if that peace offering is simply to throw you a thousand dollars, throw you a big treat and say, well, I've done my duty, does that really reconcile you with your child? Sure, you'll be nice and gracious and accept it and say thank you, but in your heart of hearts, are you? do you really draw close to your son? 
I think the thing that draws us close to someone who has hurt us is a contrite spirit, a broken spirit that says, I am sorry and I deserve nothing. Paying monetary compensation is nice for the wallet, doesn't heal the heart or the soul. I have a friend who, who is extremely rich and he has hurt his mother again and again but he thinks that each time he comes to live in Singapore he throws a big banquet for her and all is forgiven. Mother of course has forgiven him but the love is not there because his heart is ignorant. His heart is unable to grasp the love and the longing of the mother. She doesn't want a banquet. What she wants is a man who comes back to her and says, I'm sorry, but I love you very much. That's the way God is. He's not interested in how much we serve. He's not interested in how much we give him. He may graciously say, okay, if you want to give, I will not throw, cast you out. On the other hand, we cannot draw close to God and be reconciled with God until we realize that there is no way we can compensate for our sin. And it is God who comes to embrace us. On the other hand, gifts and services are important to God on one condition. In verse 18 and 19, he says, May it please you to prosper Zion to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings offered whole. Then bowls will be offered on your altar. It's on God's initiative, not ours. It's not about how much we do for God, how much we, David prospers Zion or builds up the walls of Jerusalem. He's saying, if you would be gracious to do that. It's asking God to be gracious beyond graciousness. You know, David has sinned so grievously, God could have destroyed his city because of his sin. The sins of the leaders have consequences. And because God, David had sinned so greatly, God could easily have destroyed, torn down Jerusalem because of David's sin. And David was not saying, I'll try my best. David was saying, if you will have even greater grace and forgive me, prosper my nation, then there will be great joy. When we receive the grace of God, then there will be a service from the heart. May that be true for all of us. Let us pray. Father, we stand amazed at your grace and your love. Help us to know this, that our lives may truly be one of joy, knowing that we have been fully forgiven by you, loved by you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well then, I hope that you have a good weekend that will be coming soon. But I also encourage you to come back to church if you have been coming in the past. Um, the fellowship is warm and we are beginning again to have refreshments and time to talk to each other and meet each other. And for those who have not been in church for since COVID or since I came in, I'd really love to meet with you if you could come and then we could have a time to chat and get to know each other. Well then, God bless you and goodbye.